Welcome back to Jamie All Over. I'm coming to you from my bed today instead of the closet. I am just in the mood for a bed day. I've had quite a week. I apologize that this is out very late, probably a week late by the time it's edited. I was just really set back and set off course due to a series of unfortunate events that happened while traveling. I'm going to get to that story later. I was just kind of scrolling through Instagram before I started trying to gather up photos and different questions that came in over the week on Instagram that I also want to get to. And I came across a post that I did not intend on talking about, but I want to play this for you because it just hit me. There were a few things that were happening to me that started to wake up my eyes to the fact that maybe something was wrong in my relationship. One was a breast cancer march. I was with 10 friends who were a lot like me, really powerful women, marching for equality around breast cancer. My friend had died in law school. We were honoring her in downtown LA. So we had this reservation at 1230 at Dim Sum. 12 o'clock turns around, our phone started blowing up. First text comes in, where'd you put Hudson Soccer back? Okay. Next text comes in, another friend, um, where's the gift? You didn't leave me a gift if you want me to take um, Jack to the birthday party. And my friend Kate's husband was my favorite. It was a text that said, do the kids need to eat lunch? What I noticed that day was how the women reacted. The nine women I was with said to me, I left my partner with too much to do. I have to leave. And so these beautiful, powerful, strong women said goodbye to me. And that was the first day where I had an active resistance. And that active resistance was to count up every single phone call and text we received during that time. 30 phone calls, 46 texts for 10 women over 30 minutes. So that was from a documentary called Fair Play Life. They also have an Instagram by the same name, and that was Eve Rodsky speaking. She and I have actually talked about bringing her on here. I still have yet to watch the documentary, so I need to do that before having her on, but all of their Instagram clips really, really get my attention. It's basically about how women and mothers have an unfair mental load when it comes to home life and all of the chores and whatnot. Uh, Even, you know, this particular example is she tried to leave the house to do something with her friends to go to a breast cancer march, and they are inundated with phone calls and text messages from their husbands or partners asking a million things about what they should be doing at home, not being able to take care of it themselves. So all of these women are trying to have a life outside of the home, get together with their friends, do something for charity to honor someone that they knew that passed away, and yet they can't fully be present because of this mental load that is put on them. And I just find the whole idea of this documentary so interesting. I need to watch it as soon as possible. That's why I kind of not brought it up before in the past, but for whatever reason, it just came up in my scrolling and... It reminded me of a Galentine's Day that I just went to with a group of 35 women. Lots of them were wives and mothers. And it kind of just made me realize how important it is to carve out some time outside of the house, away from the housework, away from the partner, away from the kids, 
and do something with your girlfriends. This was such an enjoyable day. It was just so nice. And normally I hate Valentine's Day. So this was just like a nice surprise. Our friend Elaine and her other friend Danielle threw this together. I say throw, but I'm sure there was a ton of planning involved. They rented out a movie theater in Newport Beach at The Lot, which is one of my favorite theaters. It's the kind that have, you know, the reclining seats and you press the button if you want to order food. And they rented out the whole theater. We watched Magic Mike, which I don't know how many Magic Mikes there are, but it was the one with Selma Hayek. It was, I think, a new one. It was cute. But the surprise came at the end when a dancer came to entertain us after watching Magic Mike. So you can imagine the girls went a little nuts. And I guess some of them were prepared because there were dollar bills available and being thrown like crazy at this guy. His name is Damien, but he said that's his stage name. So I don't know what his real name is. Doesn't matter. And he danced for us. It was really fun. We went in our PJs, which is another funny story because Sheena had told me she was wearing onesies and the invitation said to wear valentine's pjs i don't really know what that means but then sheena said she was wearing a onesie and then she sent me a photo of another pair of pajamas she's like i have these extra ones it was like a button down short sleeve pajama top with like hearts on it or something and then shorts to match like super casual so in my head i'm like okay well regardless it's not like 90s or like lingerie it's like you know just actual pjs so i said i didn't feel like wearing shorts or a short sleeve so i went out and i bought this pajama set that just had hearts on it a long sleeve button down pajama top and pants and she ended up wearing her dinosaur onesie and our other friend stephanie who was also in on our little group of what we were wearing just wore Victoria's Secret, same type of pajamas, pants, and the long sleeve top. So we get there, and all these Orange County housewives are in their heels, and they got their glam done, and they're wearing these like satin pajamas with feathers and stuff on them. They looked amazing, and we were like, okay, so maybe there's two types of girls here. We've got the sporty LA dressed down type of girl which we fell into that category in that moment. And then you've got the OC housewives. Now, normally I can go either way. I did have a second option, which was like red satin shorts with like black lace and a a matching camisole top. And I could have done heels with that, but I was like, oh no, it's all girls. We're just doing like a casual thing. But to be honest, I'm kind of happy I wore what I wore because I was super comfortable and who cares? Like I didn't need to be in satin. (laughs) But the three of us were like, noted for next year. If we do this again, if we're invited again, we could step it up a bit. But it was really fun. And all of the girls each brought something for everyone else. So for example, I brought 35 vegan dark chocolate bars. They were so good. Oh my God. I still have a few extra ones and I'm like trying my hardest not to eat them. But it was like dark chocolate with almonds and cherries. And then another one was raspberry, which I have yet to try. But other people made cookies, cupcakes, Rice Krispie treats, chocolate roses. Someone gave everyone lingerie. Someone else gave us like this like sculpting waistband thing. Cute little Valentine's cards. There's just a bunch of stuff. It's such a cute idea. Speaking of Elaine, she also had the premiere party, her and her husband Will, at their house in Newport Beach. And I have to say... 
I did a previous episode where I was like somewhat pissed off at my LA friends, not pissed off, but like hurt being like, you know, they never come to OC to see me. But now that everyone is like friends with Elaine, like they'll come down here for her things. And I'm just like, eh. but truth be told, I don't invite anyone to OC to do anything because I just assume they won't come. So it's partially or maybe all my fault that I don't even invite them. But it was funny because after I did that episode, I did have a talk with Sheena and with Brett and they were like, we'll come down anytime. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I will call myself out if I say something and then it sounds like I might be contradicting myself. But what I did want to say is it's nice that my friends have been coming down here and that there's another person that lives close by, another reason for people in LA to come this way. So I'm not always driving up to LA. The premiere party, not the premiere party, I didn't go to that. That was at Sir. But the night after, like the watch party, I'll call it, where we watched the first episode of Vanderpump Rules. It was so fun to just hang out. And that was like a dress down event too. So we were all in like, we were told to wear like sweats. So we did that. I wore my every night is emo night hoodie, but except I covered up the emo and I put VPR. So it said every night is VPR night. And Courtney was like, uh, someone needs to actually make that into a hoodie. <laughs> and they made some specialty cocktails. I have a picture of it. So let's go through what they, the names were. Okay, first one. I don't know why they had this one called Xanax. I mean, I guess maybe some people are fans. Next one was It's All Happening. Next was Bambi-Eyed Bitch. That was the mocktail, but you could make it into a cocktail if you wanted to add a liquor. And the last one, which I was drinking, was Good as Gold, which was an espresso martini, but I just got it without... They weren't using Baileys, but they were using something like Baileys, which had cream in it. So I got it without that, and it was delicious. Another thing I put into my podcast folder, what I do is... I go through Instagram and all my photos for the week and I make a podcast folder. So I'm just kind of scrolling through it and I was scrolling through it to get the bar menu. And I just saw another screenshot that I took to make sure that I mentioned congratulations to previous podcast guest, friend of mine, listener of the show, Christina Brown. Her book, Therapy and Other Drugs, is number one on new releases on Amazon. Good job, Christina. So proud of you. Now, I have all this stuff in here about my travel nightmare debacle, but I'm saving that for last. I'm going to get to questions. So I posted for questions and several came through that I said that I would be answering on this episode. So I'm going to get into that. One of them was Shag, Mary, Kill, Schwartz, James Kennedy, and Peter, but I recently recorded a podcast episode with Craig McNeil. He used to have a podcast with Laura Shainthals, I think is how you pronounce her last name. It was like a Vanderpump. It may have been the first ever, according to him, Vanderpump Rules recap podcast. The two of them ended up parting ways. She now, I believe, hosts Sexy Unique podcast. He hosts another one called Craig and Friends, which is not about reality, or it's at least not about VPR. But I had him on as a guest and I asked him this question and he answered it and then he shot it back to me. So I did answer it on that episode, which will probably be next week. So I don't need to answer that today, but you can look out for that 
episode coming up. It's a really interesting episode. I don't know if I want to make it a two-parter. If I had Patreon, to be honest, I would probably put half of it on Patreon because it kind of gets into territory I have yet to explore on this podcast. And I don't really know how comfortable I am getting into it, but it's sexual related. And we talk about his current relationship, which is non-monogamous. So he has a partner. I mean, we'll get into it on the show on next week, but I don't want to give too much away. But after we discuss, you know, alternative type relationships and the differences between pansexual and bisexual, which he is, and so is his partner. They just had a baby together. So it's a really interesting episode. I learned a lot from it. But then we get into, you know, their lifestyle and how they navigate bringing in other partners. And like I said, I think it's interesting. I just don't know how far I want to take it on this show. What are you guys comfortable with? Do you want to hear all about it? Or do you want to just get the basics? Do you want like the nitty gritty of it? Or do you want the basics? Let me know if you want it all. I do take your opinions seriously. This is our show together. So I do feel like I'm venturing into new territory with this topic. So I just want to give it some thought first. And not that I think there's anything wrong with any of that subject material or talking about it. But I also know that sometimes I'm like, do I want to put out a podcast where I can play it in the car with anyone in the car and feel comfortable? Or do I want to be able to talk about everything and just put explicit warnings on it and give you a warning in the beginning to not have a kid in the car? Like, is that okay too? It's just, I've been thinking about a lot of things lately, guys. This past week has really stirred up a lot of my life's questions. And even that conversation that I had with Craig about non-monogamy and are humans meant to be monogamous? And are all marriages eventually inevitably going to become unsatisfying? And I know there's so many out there that are married and they're like, no, that's ridiculous. Like maybe for some, maybe not for all, which I think is the answer. But anyway, I've just been questioning a lot with relationships in that regard and commitments and marriage. And then even further along, because, and this is a bit of a tangent because I know I was supposed to start answering some questions, but I've met with several people, interviewed several people on here, on shenanigans, people who I've looked up to over the years, people who I've followed. Some might even call them gurus in their specialty. You know, when you interview someone and then the record button goes off and you continue talking or you continue getting to know them and maybe I become friends with them and talk on a regular basis, you get to know them on a deeper level. And I don't think I'm betraying any confidence here by saying that these people who I only previously knew on a surface level, once I get to know them deeper, it's revealed to me that everyone has issues. Everyone has at least one part of their life that might be a mess. And if it's not a mess, then it just might not be perfect. And I don't think this is earth shattering information, but it's just good to remember that even the quote unquote gurus, and I hate even using that word because I don't know if anyone truly is a guru, but even them don't have it figured out. And at first it kind of shook my foundation a little bit coming to this realization that these particular people who I've really, I've taken advice from in the past and some even like led me on the path that I am today. And it shook me a little bit because I'm like, wait a minute, 
is everything fake? (laughs) Is the world just a scam? Does no one have it figured out? Who am I even taking advice from when I'm giving advice to these people about other aspects of their life that I have navigated already? And it was just kind of mind-blowing. And I don't know why it was so mind-blowing for me to realize this, because in the big picture, I think we all know, yeah, nobody's perfect. We know this. But it's different when you see it in front of you with people who you've looked up to, and then you realize, wait, we're all just human. And I think that's why people say, like, don't ever meet your heroes. But I kind of feel the opposite now that I've worked through this in my mind. It's like, no, meet your heroes so you realize that they're just like you. They're not any different. They're not any more special. Like, yes, I'm sure they've excelled in their chosen path. And they've learned a lot through getting to that level. And that's a lot of information that they can share. And it is valuable information, even though they might not have other parts of their life in order. And it kind of made me realize like, no one's perfect, obviously, but you don't have to be perfect to provide value to other people. It would be silly for me to be like, wait, this person has this part of their life all messed up. That means I shouldn't listen to anything else they say. Like, that's not true because no one, like I said, has it figured out. If there were people out there that all had it figured out, we wouldn't even need to talk to each other. We wouldn't need to share information. We would be these like perfect little islands not speaking to each other. So through working this out in my head, it's like, no, it's okay. It's okay that like maybe this spiritual guru is currently suffering from anxiety, even though they may preach how to live a Zen life, you know, or it's okay that this successful entrepreneur eats a crap diet. So his health is probably not the best but his bank account is healthy or maybe a health coach, someone who's in amazing physical shape and does eat healthy, has a relationship that's not very satisfying. Yet this person, they have all the willpower in the world to work out and eat healthy, has no willpower to get out of a bad relationship or a relationship expert who has not found the one or maybe had found the one and lost the one or is single. So it's like, it's just been me kind of realizing throughout having this podcast and meeting all of these experts in different fields, but then actually peeling back the layers and realizing like they can still be lacking in other areas, but it doesn't make their advice any less valuable. So after I was going on about this in my Instagram stories, I then saw a very simple post that summed up kind of everything that I was thinking. It's by Stephen Bartlett, who's also a podcast host. And he says, successful people have mental health issues, bad habits, gaps in their knowledge, moments of self-doubt, procrastination issues, imperfect routines, insecurities, and imposter syndrome too. But they also know that all of these things are perfectly normal. That is the difference. So I agree with that to an extent, but after meeting a lot of these people, some of them don't know that it's normal. Some of them really beat themselves up for not having all aspects of their life in perfect order. Some of them feel like they're a fraud or that they should stop doing what they're doing because they don't have every aspect in order or because they don't have all the answers. So anyway, I'm just spreading that information. And I think the takeaway for all of us, no matter what we do in life, is that we don't need to know everything to be valuable or to be of service or to be beneficial to others. You are not any less qualified to speak on issues. 
I am not any less qualified. I'm very open about the fact that I'm on my own journey. I'm figuring my own things out. I'm bringing you along with me. A lot of us are in the same things we're going through in life right now. I think maybe that's the difference. Maybe a lot of other people don't put that out there. They're not saying like, hey, wait, I don't have it figured out. This is what I'm doing to figure it out. This is what's working. This is what's not working. That's not everybody's brand and that's fine. I will say there is so much power in that though because coming from a perfectionist like myself, it's great to see that like I can strive to make things perfect, but it's never going to be. There is no there is no perfect, but I think it's always good to strive for excellence, to want to put out the best product that you can, to honor quality. I'm for all of that, but I'm also for the freedom that comes along with being like, it's not going to be perfect and that's okay, but it's still going to be valuable. And in fact, it'll be even more authentic. Let's get around to some of those questions. What was the hardest thing to give up when you went vegan? I mean, the easy answer is cheese. Because we are all addicted to it on purpose, and it's because it's meant for the calf, and that calf is supposed to get addicted to its mother's milk in order to make sure he or she grows and keeps eating and drinking. And cheese is a condensed version of that milk, so it truly is addictive to humans in the way that heroin is addictive to humans. Isn't that crazy? However, knowing the truth behind the dairy industry and what actually happens and how death and torture is actually occurring, that cheese craving was so minuscule compared to my desire to never contribute to that again. And they say, you know, within a couple weeks, you'll get over that craving. It will leave your body anyway. I would say about 21 days. So if you are going vegan, that's just maybe something to be aware of. Your body might be craving cheese. And just know, hang in there, and in about 21 days, you will not have that craving anymore. Now, years and years into being vegan, obviously vegetarian most of my life, but years into being vegan now, I can say that there's little things here and there that I might miss. But again, my determination for not contributing to suffering so much outweighs moments of taste that it's never been really an issue for me. But I guess maybe when I go back home to like New York and New Jersey and I see a pizza shop and I know how good the pizza back home is and I know, you know, most of those places back there, they haven't really caught up with the times like we have out here in California. I can get a vegan pizza anywhere. In fact, I easily got vegan pizza even in Texas, but it's still not quite there as far as like the mozzarella cheese on the pizza My favorite that I found so far is by Miyoko's and she has like this liquid mozzarella. So if you do make like a homemade pizza and you put it on top, it's like it takes care of the melty issue because some other vegan cheeses don't really melt very well. This melts because it's already liquid. It browns. Just put a little salt on it and it tastes great. I've often thought like, okay, when I go back home, I'm going to bring this vegan (laughs) mozzarella to my favorite pizzeria and be like, can you please make me pizza, but put this on top of it? Because I miss like the crust and like, you can't get that same effect at home unless of course you have your own pizza oven, which I do not. So I mean, that's a little thing I might miss. No big deal. And then if we're talking about food from back home, obviously the New York, New Jersey bagels with cream cheese are so good, but I can just buy those bagels and put my own vegan cream cheese on it. Vegan cream cheese is pretty damn good. 
And the truth is anything I miss is not healthy anyway. So they were never things that I wanted to be eating all of the time. They were never part of my regular diet anyway. So truly, it has not been difficult for me. There are so many amazing vegan alternatives. But as always, if you are new to being vegan or vegan curious, always feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to help. Next in that same realm was what made you become a vegan? I think I've shared this story multiple times. I've definitely been asked when I go on other people's podcasts. So I'm sure it's on the Give Them La La podcast, among many others that I've been on, probably shenanigans. I said it at some point, and I must have said it on here. But the short answer to that, what made me become vegan, the animals. It's always about the animals. I'm an ethical vegan. I didn't do it for health. I didn't do it for the environment. However, those are great perks that come along with me doing it for the animals. However, if there was no harm to the environment, I would still be vegan. And I think the advantages of being vegan far outweigh just physical health. I really have this strange belief that it affects our karma. I think it affects our spirituality. I think it gives you clarity of mind. When you are living a life that is aligned, meaning my ethics are aligning with my actions, there is a removal of shame, of guilt. And these things you may be holding on to subconsciously. You may not even realize it. And I've spoke about this before as far as energy is concerned. Guilt and shame, those are the lowest feelings that we can have, lowest vibrations of energy. And when you are in those low vibrational areas, you are attracting other negative low things into your life. By becoming vegan, I eliminate all of that, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, which means I'm vibrating at a higher level than people who can't look at that slaughter footage because they know it will hurt them. And my thing is like, if you can't watch the way your food is made, you know intrinsically it's wrong. You know that you feel bad about it, but you also know you're not going to make that change or you think you're not going to make that change, which means your ethics, which you believe like, I don't want to cause harm or suffering to another animal. Those are your ethics. Those are your beliefs. But your actions, if you're still paying for it to be done and you're eating it, your actions are not aligned with your ethics. So that throws everything off balance. And I just feel that once you get in alignment with that, so many things become clearer You're able to, I know this is out there, but you're able to manifest way easier. You're able to have good things happen to you way easier. And it brings this confidence. You know, I don't know how much you believe in the universe and giving you what you ask for, but if you're asking for great things, yet in your subconscious, you know that you're currently incapable of aligning your ethics with your actions, you're blocking those great things from coming to you because you're basically putting it out there that you can't be trusted to handle these great things. And this sounds so extreme and so judgmental. And I'm so sorry if it's coming off this way, because I understand everyone's on their own journey. I don't judge you if you're not vegan. Thank you for even asking questions about it. Thank you for listening this far if you're not vegan and not wanting to turn me off right now. Thank you for having an open mind. I also think everyone's on their own journey. If you give up one thing that's animal related, good for you. I'm not the type of vegan that I'm like, it needs to be all or nothing or else you're a piece of shit. No, absolutely not. That's not how the world works. That's not how humans work. Every little bit helps. 
even just asking the question, letting me plant some seeds and you doing nothing right now. That's fine too. Everyone will do what they're meant to do in their own time. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. And if you don't believe any of this spiritual stuff that I'm saying as far as energy and alignment and the universe, I know a lot of people don't believe any of that stuff. That is fine too. This is judgment free and I hope it works in both directions. So the last question was, tell us about your weekend. So this was about last weekend, which was my trip to Houston. Saving that for the end only because I don't want to talk about it, (laughs) but I do want to update you on the whole thing. So I'm kind of just waiting to get into that. I had another tarot card psychic reading with Grace from Stella Maris, and the timing was pretty good because I'm questioning a couple new projects that I want to get into or questioning even a situation that is happening right now. And I have to tell you, she picked up on that situation immediately and it involves another person. So I don't want to give too much away, but she knew everything that has been going on. And this is stuff obviously I'm not posting about. No one would know. She said words that I have said out loud to this other person And it was interesting. It was just super interesting. But I'll tell you about the career stuff that she said. I've really been feeling the pull to write the book. The book that I moved to California for 15 years ago and never did. And I always believed when the time was right, I would know it. And I just think I had more things to experience before I wrote a book. And I think I'm ready. And she mentioned that as well. I also have been considering a documentary. She mentioned that. And some things that I haven't even thought of really, she mentioned radio. So I don't know if something is going to happen with radio or TV, but she brought those things up as well. But overall, I just have to say every time that I've had a reading with her, I don't know if this is, I think this is my third reading with her. She'll say things where it's like stuff like that with the radio or the TV or something, but It's kind of like out of nowhere, like stuff I haven't even been thinking of. And then months later, it happens. And I'm like, whoa. If you recall, my first ever reading with her before this podcast, she goes, and even I think before shenanigans, she was like, I see you with a microphone. I see you in podcasting. I see animals all around you. Like I see this like long haired Adam and Eve looking girl with animals all around you. I see you working with PETA. And like I stopped her right there and I was like, wait, it's always been my lifelong dream to do something with PETA, but I have no idea how that would ever happen. And then three months after that reading, I did a collaboration with PETA. And then obviously like a year and a half later or however long later it was, I had the podcast and I don't know, just the animal thing. So now that I have this reading and she says these things, I have to give it more weight than I would previously because I've seen now the two times before everything that she's said has come true. I know some of you have gotten readings with her in the past and I rarely, I don't think I ever promote any psychics or tarot card readers other than her because I'm skeptical myself, believe it or not, and I would not want anyone to get their hopes up or waste their money or waste their time on someone who I thought was not true or someone who could be a fraud. And I have to say, she is one of the real ones out there. She's amazing. Stella Maris. She's on Instagram. She's awesome. And while I'm shouting out people, and before I forget, Hotel Icon 
which is in the autograph collection owned by Marriott. They have a downtown Houston location. It's in this old bank building built in the 1920s. I stayed there in Houston and oh my God, I love historical buildings. I loved all the original architecture. They still had the old vault behind the check-in area. Great downtown location. And my room was phenomenal. If you have not seen it, I have a reel on my room. It was a beautiful suite. It almost felt like a Parisian apartment. High ceilings, a separate living room from the bedroom. The bathroom was gorgeous. Huge soaking tub. I had such an amazing stay there. So I just want to shout out Hotel Icon. If anyone is staying in the Houston area, check them out. Their lobby was super fun. They had a DJ every night. The bar was like going off, but it was nice because when I did go to my room, I couldn't hear anything. Sometimes you can hear things going on in hotel rooms, but I guess because this is such a sturdy, historic building, the rooms were super quiet. They left me a cute little note when I got into the room and it said, we are excited to see our hotel through your eyes and for Jamie to explore all over our city. So cute. It was more than that, but that was the punny part. So thank you, Hotel Icon, for the amazing stay. And I'm coming back to Houston early March, as far as I know, for another guest DJ appearance. So let's just get into it. My weekend in Houston. On my way there, I left out of LAX airport. I parked my car in the short-term terminal parking. This I will never do again. I've done this a couple times. I'm just like, F it. It's convenient. I'll pay $60 a day for this. It's fine. I'd rather do this than Uber from Orange County to LA. I'd rather do this than park offsite and have to deal with the shuttles. It's cold out. I'm probably running late as usual. Didn't want to deal with any of that. So I park in the terminal. Mind you, I am going to avoid flying out of LAX moving forward as much as possible. I have an airport less than 10 minutes away. John Wayne here in Orange County. It's so easy. A lot of times they just don't offer as many flights or as many nonstop flights as you can get from LAX. But this particular flight to Houston wasn't even a nonstop anyway. So moving forward, always flying out of SNA. So I had a connecting flight in Dallas. I get to Dallas and I'm texting with my friend Brett, who I was in Dallas with about a year and a half ago. That was the last time I was there. And it was a terrible trip. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) And so I'm texting him and I'm like, hey, I'm a lot more zen this time. I feel great. Maybe Dallas isn't bad luck after all. Next time I have Brett on, I'll tell you guys the full Dallas story. But we don't need to go into that detail right now. So I now get on the plane heading towards Houston. And I go to get my earbuds out of my little black backpack. Where is my little black backpack? I can't find it. Oh my God, I left it in the restroom in a different terminal. Now, why did I do this? Well, I could blame it all on the ADHD, which I think I'm going to. And I'm realizing that this is a pattern in my life. If you remember hearing the Danny story, I left my phone in the bathroom at the Belmont and he ran back and got it for me. I do this often. And the reason I do this is because if there's ever a shelf, not to be graphic about restrooms, but if there's a shelf behind the toilet where you can put anything, 
I'll put my phone, like if my phone's in my pocket, I'll take it out, put it on that shelf. So I had this little black backpack and I put it on that shelf, but then I had my carry-on in front of me and my tote bag on top of the carry-on, but my backpack was on my back. So that's why I took it off to go to the restroom, put it in the shelf. So I see my carry-on and I see my tote bag, grab my things and I'm on my way. So in this little black backpack was my driver's license, my credit cards, my cash, my earbuds, my phone charger, and my only car key to the car that was parked at LAX parking and my house keys. I realize this as my flight is about to take off. Doors are closed. There's no way I'm getting off the flight. How am I checking into my hotel? First obstacle to overcome without ID or without a credit card. So as soon as I have service, I text my mom who was watching Ivy. I said, can you please send me a picture of my passport and a photo of a working credit card? (laughs) And then I canceled all my credit cards that were in the backpack. I get to the hotel and fortunately they let me check in with the photos. Thank God they made it super easy, seamless. I get up to my room. So now I'm like, okay, I need a phone charger because my phone's about to die. I'm going to need cash while I'm here. How am I going to eat anything I'm like, okay, well, I guess I can charge some stuff to the room since they took the photo of the credit card. Oh, and then there's Postmates. So Postmates saved me because I had connected a working credit card to Postmates, one that was not stolen, and I was able to order a phone charger and some waters, some food, and I was fine for that night. First night, I was supposed to meet up, well, I did meet up with Chris Camrata from Dashboard Confessional. He was doing an emo social event in Houston that night, but prior to that, we were supposed to go see Incubus. Kind of last minute, he was like, I'm so tired. I didn't sleep the night before because he had another emo social event in Orlando the night before and then just hopped on his flight to Houston. Would you kill me if we didn't go to Incubus? I was like, well, I was looking forward to it. I never saw them live, but it's fine. I was kind of like, obviously, stressed from the day that I had had already. So I was like, that's fine. Let's just meet at Emo Social. So we did that. That was fun. It was really funny to see people in cowboy hats dancing to emo music. I do have it on my page if you're curious to see what that looks like. (laughs) And it's so funny because I always say like country music is farm emo. So it was funny to see country boys listening to real emo. It was cute. And then out of nowhere, Chris decides to play my ex-boyfriend's song, Face Down, from Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. I don't even realize it's playing until like a few seconds in. And I look at him and I give him this look and he starts laughing at me. I'm like, you're such a jerk. But it was all good. So that was night one. That was Friday. Saturday, I get in cont. Oh, let me roll it back. When I land at Houston, I also had planned to see my one of my good friends from high school that I knew growing up in New Jersey. This girl, Sue, she now lives in Houston. So before coming, I told her I was coming and that I wanted to see her when I was there. So as soon as I land, I text her and I'm like, hey, I need your home address. I need my mom to overnight my passport to you. I lost all my cash, all my credit cards, all this stuff. What's your home address? And she texts me back. She's like, hey, can you call me real quick? So I call her. I'm like, hey, what's up? She's like, oh, thank God it's you. I thought this was like a scam from Cambodia or something (laughs) because I'm, oh my God, it's like, how could it not sound like a scam? Hey, I lost all my money and I'm traveling and I need your help. Like that is the scam, but it truly did happen to me. So she's like, okay, thank God I heard your voice. I'm going to text you my address now. 
she's like, sorry, it's just the jersey in me. I was like, no, you're you're so smart. So I got my passport overnighted to her. And she was a huge help too, because she has this FedEx account. She's like, put it on my account. They'll get it here tomorrow. So ended up using her account. She was a lifesaver, not only for that, but then I saw her on Saturday and she gave me, obviously I needed some cash on me. So she gave me some cash. I Venmoed her for it. And it was so nice to see a familiar face from a long time ago, such an old friend. But she was a huge help. And she was like, don't worry, anything you need. Is there anything else I can do for you? When you're in need, you know who your real friends are, right? And this isn't the end of the help from my friends. There's more to come. So Saturday, I met up with some friends, some people there, and her, and then some other people that I knew in Houston. Saturday night, I went to dinner. That's where I got the vegan pizza. It was so good. We went to a place called Bolo, I think. I guess they're famous for their brick oven pizzas and they had vegan cheese on the menu. So you get any of their pizzas made with vegan cheese. It was really, really good. And then I met a couple other people from Jersey who supposedly had met previously in New Jersey, but I didn't remember this one guy in particular who was so interesting to talk to. But he's like, yeah, I met you when you were living in Hackensack. I stopped by a party that you were having at Prospect Towers. I was like, I remember the party, but I don't remember meeting you. Sorry. (laughs) It was just nice to be with people from New Jersey. And then Sunday, I explored Houston a little bit more. I met another interesting man who was living in the hotel that I was staying at. He was in oil and gas, and he was very nice as well because we exchanged information. He knew about my issues, and I was like freaking out because when I saw him on Sunday, I was like, well, the last obstacle is me figuring out how I'm getting my car out without a key. And so he kept checking in on me, making sure everything was okay which it truly was not all day when I got back and the next day. So let's fast forward to that. So I now have my passport so I can leave Texas and I get to Houston airport. I took my coat off, my heavy winter coat. I took it off, put it on the seat that I was sitting on behind me and I go to board. I get on the plane and I realize, oh my God, I don't have my coat. (laughs) I was like, Jamie, how? After the debacle and ordeal that you just went through leaving something behind in Dallas. How could you ever leave anything again so soon, days later? But I did. This time we were waiting for another international flight to arrive. So they kept the door open because we were waiting for like 40 something more passengers who were late. They let me run off, go get my coat and bring it back. And thank God they did. Because when I got back to LA at night, it was freezing and I had to spend a lot of time outside dealing with my car issues. So overall, this is really making me be more open to taking some sort of medication for my possible ADHD. I just went and got tested. I've went through a couple tests now. So one, and this is, sorry, slightly getting off the topic, but one was mailed to me and I had to fill it out. And I guess from my answers from that, it was like, okay, you could have it. The next was you have to come in and take a test. So I did that this week or today's Monday. So I did it, I guess, last week. Friday, was it? I think I did it Friday. Yeah. And I don't know how they can determine anything from the test that they gave me in person. But basically, like for 14 minutes, they flash letters of the alphabet one at a time. And you have to hit the space bar every time you see a letter except when you see X. And I'm like, if I just really focus, I won't hit the space bar when I see the X. Well, first of all, I was wrong. I hit it probably 50% of the time. I'm like, oh my God. And even like two in a row. I'm just like, how? why did I do that? Like I know not to hit it when I see the X. I actually have several X's who would wholeheartedly disagree with that last statement. But I guess somehow this test determined how your brain works. Personally, I don't 
think it's that is thorough enough. I don't know. That maybe in conjunction with the other tests that I answered. But now the after that, they're like, okay, yes, it looks like you could have. It's still not a diagnosis, though. Looks like you could have ADHD. Now you have to come back and meet with the doctor. So that I, I just made the appointment for that. So at that appointment is when they're going to discuss medication options. And I have been kind of anti. I'm just like, I just want to learn tips and tricks how to deal with it, you know, the way that I did with like organization. There's different ways to organize for someone whose brain works this way. I'm like, I just need to learn about everything, all aspects of life, how to handle things without the medication. But after what just happened to me in Texas, I'm just like, I don't know, maybe I should consider it. I don't know. I'm, I'm open to it. We'll see. I'm going to do more research. And if any of you have experience with this, please reach out. I would love to hear your experience. I talked with one girl who said that medication completely changed her life. She's a vegan as well. And it was interesting the things that she said. She was like, you know, a lot of people with ADHD feel emotions stronger. And that's why a lot of them are vegan. I was like, oh, whoa, that's interesting. Is that why I'm emo? Is that why I like emo music? (laughs) But it's just, it's been interesting to learn about it. And then Brett was like, you know, people with ADHD are more psychic. And I'm like, I did not come across that in my research, but okay. But anyway, yeah, I have a lot more research to do on that. So I'm going to sum this story up real quick if I can. But I get back to LAX. Last obstacle was how am I getting my car out without a key? It was my only key that I lost. And it's a push start engine that I have. I have progressive insurance. Thank God they have a roadside assistance coverage And for any of you who have Progressive, if you don't have the roadside, I suggest getting it. It's like $5 a month. It's similar to AAA. So if you have that, I'm sure you're fine with your AAA. But if you don't have AAA and you have Progressive, it's only a couple dollars extra a month and they will tow you. They will bring you gas if you run out of it. They will change a tire, which I recently had to have them do for me. So I called them and they'll tow up to 15 miles. So I called them to have my car towed out of LAX parking lot. I landed Sunday night and the wait was like an hour and a half for someone to get there. Finally, I called the tow company because I had this idea. I'm like, wait a minute. They need a type of tow truck that can lift all four wheels because it's four wheel drive and it's close parking quarters. It's in this parking garage. There's not a lot of room to maneuver. So thankfully, I had the idea to call them and tell them the situation. I was like, will your tow truck be able to get my car out tonight? And she's like, no, we need the kind that lifts all wheels. And that's not available till 7 a.m. tomorrow. I was like, okay, can you please like schedule me for that? I'll come back here at 7. So I Ubered to Sheena's, who lives in Marina Del Rey, which is somewhat close to LAX. So now I get to Sheena's and go to bed in her guest room, set my alarm, wake up at 6, get back to LAX to meet the tow truck diver at 7. That was a whole thing, getting my car out. But he did it. And then... I get the car towed and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have it towed to Santa Monica. I'm going to go to the dealer, have the dealer make me a new key. I call the dealer and they're like, yeah, it's going to be about $600 or $650. I'm like, fine. I didn't want to pay that much, but I had been calling locksmiths the whole night before. I was even waiting there for a locksmith to arrive. They're so shady, most of them. And they're like, yeah, it'll be like $300. And then they get there and they're like, no, it's, it's like $600. And like this one guy... On principle alone, I told him no and to leave because he had me waiting outside for like an hour the night before at LAX parking. And he started sending me pictures of him at the airport. He's like, no, I'm here. I'm here. He sent me pictures of where he was. I'm like, okay, I'm waiting, waiting. Where are you? So then he finally like calls me after 30 minutes after telling me he's there. 
And I'm like, are you here? And he's like, I am, but it's going to be over $400. I'm not going to do it for 300. I was like, why would you drive all the way down here and then raise your price? And I'm thinking like, normally if you say no, when you walk away in any situation like that, if he already drove there, he's going to take it and he'll be like, fine, pay me the 300. But on principle alone, I was not agreeing to anything more than what he told me. I said, I'm like, no, I'm not paying you more than 300. And he's like, okay, I can't do it. I'm leaving. I'm like, fine, leave. And I like thought he would call me minutes later and be like, fine, I'll do it. He did not. So that's when I ended up like leaving and made the decision, you know, in the morning, I would just have the dealer do it and forget, you know, trying to deal with these shady locksmiths. I later heard stories of locksmiths who will open up the car and then realize they have to pull out the computer or they don't know what they're doing or they can't do it and they'll just leave you. They'll leave you with your car pulled apart and then you're in a worse situation. So I'm like, you know what? I'm glad I didn't go with the locksmith. But at first I was kicking myself because I was like, this could have just all been done already. But anyway, who knows what would have happened. So next day comes, I bring it to the dealer. They quoted me like between six or 650. I get there and then they would tell me, no, sorry, it's going to be $2,500 for a new key and you need two because you don't have the original and we have to do this and this and that and you need a new satellite or I don't know what they were telling me. And I was just like, no, I'm not paying $2,500 for a key. I'm not. I'm just not doing it. So (laughs) fortunately, one of the locksmiths that I called the night before who didn't answer called me back and he was like, what's going on? Did, did you get a quote? And I was like, I'm at the dealer. He's like, oh, let me guess. They told you this, this and that. And I'm like, yes. He's like, look, that's not true. I can have it key made for you in a minute. I was like, okay, fine. Can you just like meet me at the dealer so I don't have to tow the car anywhere else? And he's like, yes. So then the dealer calls me. They're like, you need to get the car out of here. I was like, well, I have a locksmith on the way. They're like, well, the locksmith can't work on our property. You have to tow the car off property. So I'm like, oh my God. So then I call Progressive back again. I was like, I need it towed, but just basically to the street. And I'm talking to the locksmith. Name is Ken. He is awesome. Saved my life. The tow truck driver was the same from earlier that morning. So he and I were cool and we were all talking and we're like, look, this is so stupid to just tow this car off the property just so you could do it. Ken's like, look, if you distract him, I could get this done in like a minute. Ken unlocked my locked door, got into my car, made me a key seriously in one minute. The dealer was so pissed off that like he did this because obviously the dealer's telling me like that can't be done or whatever. So <laughs> everyone was in agreement. I love that my locksmith was like a little rebel rule breaker as well. And the tow truck driver was like, yeah, like I'll distract him too. It's so stupid. We don't have to tow this just to, to work on it. I'll pretend that I'm getting it set up to tow. So as he was pretend putting things like around my tires and stuff, the locksmith was doing his thing, gets my key. But now my car was on empty. I had no more cash on me, no credit cards on me. And the tow truck driver was like, look, just Venmo me. I'll give you cash. What do you need? Like 100? I was like, no, just give me 20 and then I'll get to Sheena's and I'll get more from her. So Sheena had left me like $50. Sheena was a lifesaver in all of this too, by the way. When you can count on certain friends, it's amazing. And knowing who you can count on is a wonderful thing to know. And she was there for me the whole time as well. So thank you, Sheena. Anyway, I get the money from the tow truck driver and I still had to pay the locksmith who I was planning to pay through Venmo, but like I didn't want my car to die with no gas in it. He's like, look, I'll just follow you. Deal with paying me at the gas station. I'll follow you to the gas station. So I'm now driving 
he was so cool, you guys. I got into the wrong lane and now I'm on the wrong side of the road to get across the road to the gas station because I'm all like discombobulated from everything. And he's like, you want me to help you cross this road? I was like, oh my God, no, we can't do it going like through all this traffic. He's like, just follow me. I'll do it. And he like zips across all these different lanes to get across to the other side to the gas station. I follow him. I pay him or whatever. And he's awesome. And that is how I fell in love with my locksmith. Okay, I'm joking. At LA City Locksmith. You guys, save that if you ever need anything. If you need a car key, if you have like a European car, you need a replacement. Don't go to the dealer. So shady. Admittedly, most locksmiths were shady too, but he was not. He handled it. The price that he gave me was the price that he told me in the end. Most other locksmiths will double it because they got you stuck. And that's what pissed me off about this whole experience because I was in such dire straits and so many different situations. And the amount of people who want to take advantage of you when you're in those situations piss me off. Yes, I know they're in the business to make money, but like the shady aspect of it, of like lying about how much something is going to cost just to get you there and then to get more money out of you. I don't like that. I don't like business dealings like that at all. I don't know. I was just feeling really, really low about all the people trying to take advantage, but I didn't let anyone take advantage. But I know so many people like would be in a position where they would think that they would have to. And that makes me sad. So then I had the idea that someone needs to open up an all-female car mechanic, locksmith, towing company, anything you may need car related in an emergency. Someone who brings along a child seat if your kids are with you. Like all these little things that men may not think of when they're running these companies. And a lot of times they try to take advantage of women in the car business. And I'm pissed off about it. If I had another life and more time, I would open up a company that serviced women in these situations to make sure that they were not getting taken advantage of. I think there was a TV show about an all-female mechanic shop for that very reason. But I can't think of the name or what network it was on. But there should be more of them. And to put a pretty little bow and wrap this story up, I got an email from American Airlines because I had put in a report to their lost and found. And I got an email from American Airlines a couple days ago saying that they found everything. I opted to have them ship it to me. You have the option of picking it up at Dallas Airport or having them shipped FedEx. So I said FedEx it to me and it is arriving today, all of my things. Granted, I did replace the key, but oh, and I paid $580 for the key. Way better than $2,500. It's fine. It's nice that there's no one out there with my license, even though there's a bunch of wrong information on that license and I never got it corrected because it was mailed to me during COVID. And so for over two years now, I've had a license with wrong information on it, but I've been using it anyway. Another symptom, I think, of my ADHD where I procrastinate on doing anything. That was another thing I was nervous about. I'm like, oh my gosh, if someone found my backpack and they look at the address on my driver's license, it's wrong. And now I need to send a letter to the wrong address telling them that they might receive my things and this is how they can contact me. Anyway, it's nice to know there's not someone out there with my license anyway. And obviously all the credit cards were stopped, so don't really need them back. I'm sure there's no cash left in my bag. (laughs) That's fine. The whole time I was like, I wish someone would just take the cash and return it. So that's probably what happened. It'll be nice to have my phone charger back because it's the long one and the one that I ordered is short and it's been annoying and I didn't really have any extras. So I'm getting that today and all is well. Everything this whole week was kind of pushed back. There was so many things I needed to get done that I just didn't. It was just delayed from all of this happening. But I've got the podcast done. I'm going to edit this, get this out to you guys hopefully today and everything is good. 
next episode should be interesting. I don't know what I'm going to keep in it or what I'm going to cut. Let me know your thoughts on that, what you want to hear, and I will talk to you next week. Hope you have an amazing week. Love you. Bye. To see you when I wake up is a gift I didn't think could be real. To know that you feel the same as I do is a threefold utopian dream. You do something to me. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.